I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN, a global center of excellence for geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Learn how you can put geopolitics to work for your organization at rainnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to RAIN's Essential Geopolitics podcast. I'm Emma Kami, and I'll be hosting today's episode. The October 7th attack in Israel and subsequent response has quickly become a worldwide issue, with many countries around the world vocally weighing in on the conflict. In East Asia, the emerging conflict in the Middle East also has geopolitical implications, and the region is very much split on the issue. Naturally, each country is shaping policy to suit their respective national interests, but this has varied widely in the region. Here with me today is Nate Fischler, Asia-Pacific Analyst at RAIN. Welcome to the podcast, Nate. Hi, Emma. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Um, first off, obviously, China is the most geopolitically significant actor in East Asia. Uh, can you please provide like a breakdown of how China is reacting to the conflict? Yeah, sure. So, you know, in my opinion, China's um, reaction has been very interesting. Um, you know, on October 7th or, or shortly afterwards, um, they came out with a, a, a pretty um, like boilerplate neutral statement uh, decrying um, violence against civilians. They did not name any any party. So this was a very neutral sort of hands off statement by by China um, initially. Later on, though, as um, the Israelis began retaliating for the October 7th attack, China's tone changed um, a little bit. And, you know, they're now saying things like the Israeli response is uh, beyond the scope of self-defense. And they're sort of leaning into a more pro-Palestinian uh, position on this issue for now. But that that makes sense, really. I mean, it's on trend for, you know, Chinese um, diplomatic um, history in the region. They recognized the state of Palestine um, in 1988 uh, before recognizing Israel in 1992. Um, there's also the, the long, you know, legacy, Cold War legacy, really, of, of communist governments backing um, Arab nationalist movements um, historically throughout the region, and that connection still remains, um, you know, at least partially intact um, from that, that legacy and that time. Um, interestingly, though, this will likely have negative consequences for the bilateral relationship between China and Israel. They are partners, especially in, in high technology um, and that, that sort of thing. And the response from China um, has been off-putting to the Israelis. Um, but it does ga- garner them a lot of support um, in the Muslim world and among global South countries, which for China, because Israel is, of course, such a close ally of the U.S., um, that is, you know, more in line with its uh, strategic interests, um, you know, more broadly. And they've been involved in the, you know, the peace process, um, you know, at least nominally since around 2000. There's special envoys in the region right now, um, but it's not likely that they're going to play um, a super active role in, 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 in mediation um, because there is a sort of degree of separation that China likes to keep between itself and direct conflict in the Middle East. Right. And what about U.S. allies in the Northeast, in Northeast Asia, uh, Japan and South Korea? How has their response differed and what are the likely ramifications? Yeah. Um, yeah. So also, also interesting, in my opinion. Um, so Japan, in, you know, uh, Japan uniquely in East Asia is a member of the group of seven, you know, G7, the, the Western um, powers um, and uniquely among that group. Um, 
took a more or a less let's say staunch a less staunch um reaction to the attack than its allies so of course most of the g7 um condemned the october 7th attack as terrorism condemned the hamas militant group um japan did condemn the violence and is formally um siding with israel and that it has a right to defend itself but you know it was more careful with its language on, on using the word terrorism, for example, and also was the first G7 country to call for humanitarian aid to enter the Gaza Strip. Um, this is, you know, Japan is in, incredibly um, dependent on um, the Middle East for its for its energy, and it needs to uh, walk, you know, a careful line and not to alienate um, partners in the Middle East, other countries with which it has substantial trade and it relies on for its energy sector. So Japan is playing. Um, you know, a diplomatic game trying to, um, you know, be in, in consensus with its G7 allies, but also, uh, you know, playing its own tune um, by trying to keep, uh, you know, solid relationships with, um, with, with Muslim countries with which it has trade relations. Um, South Korea, on the other hand, has taken a more neutral, a, 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 a purely neutral stance on this issue. You know, they call for an end to violence. Um, they condemn violence against civilians. Um, and are calling for a ceasefire. And, and South Korea, similarly to J Japan, has stakes in the Middle East in terms of its energy. So both of these countries, while definitely aligned with the United States in the Pacific, in their own neighborhood, um, the democratic world, if you want um, to put it that way, on this issue, they, of course, they're worried about their own interests. They do not want to be alienating um, energy partners in, in the Middle East. Um, or take on any sort of reputational risk uh, that might alienate them from from other global south countries. Um, finally, can you uh, tell us a little bit about what is happening in Southeast Asia with respect to this issue? Yeah, another interesting region. Um, so Southeast Asia, more more diverse, more countries to talk about than, than we previously have. I'll start with Thailand. Um, so Thailand, among the uh, nationals who were kidnapped and taken hostage by the Hamas militant group, um, in fact, if memory serves, the Thailand, Thai nationals are number two or number three, um, around 19 or 20 Thai uh, guest workers working in, in the Israeli agricultural sector were kidnapped on October 7th. Um, the Thai prime minister, you know, the Thai government has no formal connections to Hamas. They're trying to go through Malaysia um, in order to negotiate the, the release of the hostages. Um, you know, this is an issue I'm watching very closely, and there's no there's no observable progress on getting the Thai hostages um, released. So that is what what Thailand is working on, um, and then that brings us to, to to Malaysia, who is working with with Hamas or is in communication with them anyway um, to try to get these hostages released. Um, Malaysia and Indonesia you know, being the, the Muslim majority countries in Southeast Asia have taken the, the most, um, let's say, definitive uh, approach to this issue. Both of them um, side with uh, the Palestinians. Neither of them have relations with Israel. Uh, they, you know, they regard the, the attack being caused by the, the root cause of the historical situation um, in that disputed land. 
Um, and they're in, interestingly taking sort of a, a leadership role in the Muslim world, especially Malaysia. Um, some of the Arab countries and in North Africa, um, you know, have been re uh, normalizing relations with Israel or moving in that direction. And this, um, in, a, in a way, has opened up a little bit of a leadership role in the, in the broader Muslim world for Indonesia and Malaysia um, to take a stance. And um, especially Malaysia has taken a, a very, very staunch uh, position supporting the, uh, the Palestinian um, side. Other countries in the region, Singapore, for example, condemned Hamas and condemned terrorism, more in line with the, the Western um, line. Vietnam and the others, you know, they don't t typically want to be involved in this, and they also offered or, um, gave out statements, you know, taking a neutral line, calling for an end of hostilities and the like. Most of these countries, all of these countries, maybe, um, it would be in their interest for this to stop. Um, there's the energy concern. Um, there's, you know, there's the issue of uh, social disorder, which, you know, they're worried about the protests in some of these countries. And I'll also mention that the Philippines um, also took a more sort of uh, um, slightly pro-Israel line by uh, acknowledging its or affirming or stating its right to defend itself. And the Filipino hostages are also being held in um, Gaza. So the Southeast Asian response has not been a unified one at all. Um, all of the countries and all of the countries we've talked about thus far are, you know, tracking this issue and pursuing it along the lines of their national interests. And I very much expect that to continue. Thanks, Nate. I really appreciate you coming on this podcast. And I know you and fellow RAIN analysts will continue to follow this situation as it continues to unfold. To access these upcoming analyses uh, and updates, subscribe to our geopolitical intelligence product, RAIN Worldview. I'm Emma Kami. Thanks for listening.